we are here with John Crawford, who is the healthcare industry leader of Europe for IBM. John, it's great to have you here with us today. Thank you. Uh, can you describe some of the major problems and inefficiencies that you see in the healthcare sector today? Well, I think every, every European government is dealing with the same set of problems, which are primarily to do with the fact that we have a, an aging population, that um, our care systems were not designed to look, for the, to, to look after the, the large number of elderly, frail people that we now have. And so they're being basically put under pressure uh, by this. So uh, governments are having to respond by thinking much more about integrated care, how to make the care process um, better for the individuals, um, how to keep people out of the emergency rooms, out of hospital wards when they don't need to be there. Um, and technology, of course, plays a really important part in this because it enables you to actually move the data, uh, to understand the populations, um, and to ultimately come up with new ways of handling the patients. Mm -hmm. What are some of the difficulties involved with um, creating holistic patient data? Well, Patient data is scattered across many, many places. Mm -hmm. So if you are a patient, you have information held about you by your primary care doctor, by all the hospitals you've ever visited, uh, by the ambulance service, by the pharmacies. Um, and the big issue is, is how you bring all this data together to, to, to create a holistic view of the patient. And this is a journey that lots of uh, regions are embarked on. Um, there's a very pragmatic thing that you can do that some uh, countries and regions have already done, which is to create uh, what's called a patient summary record. So rather than trying to capture everything, you basically create a, a mini record, if you like, uh, that just has the basic information about the patient, recent uh, medical history, uh, medication uh, regime, any known allergies and adverse uh, reactions to drugs. Uh, and at least by having that, you can start to provide a better level of care the longer-term ambition that everybody has is to have a single um, longitudinal or lifetime record of the patient so you can see the whole history um, and dip into it as needed. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about the role that IBM plays in digital health? Y yes, of course. So um, uh, as a company, we have a range of activities. So uh, we do everything from strategic consulting, helping uh, governments, helping countries to think about the future of the healthcare system and how to structure it. Uh, we get involved in um, outsourcing projects. We basically run IT departments for um, healthcare organizations. Uh, we get involved in transformational projects where you know, the, the, either a complete region of a country or a, just a single hospital wants to transform the way it operates. And then, of course, we're technology suppliers, so we're very heavily involved now in technologies that are becoming really important in healthcare, uh, particularly big data and analytics, mm -hmm. uh, which is a very, very topical uh, concern at the moment. Um, but also I'm looking at futuristic technologies like cloud, uh, what impact does that have on healthcare services, um, opportunity to use mobile devices, um, and so on. So we have a pretty broad range of interest, um, very often in conjunction with business partners. So we depend very much on our relationships with uh, other companies that have specialist applications. Mm -hmm. You talked about big data. Mm -hmm. And can you talk about what specific problems can uh, big data solve within mm -hmm. this sector? Well, big, big data is a very interesting concept because it, it does, it's not really just about volume. It's about variety. It's about... Um, it's about velocity, the fact that we've got data moving through our networks at tremendous speed, which we can tap into and gain insights from. Um, 
you can you can really see benefits from big data across a whole spectrum of use cases. Now, if I pick two as examples, you can apply big data at the population level. So we can look at a, a population of a whole region uh, or, or a whole country, and we can uh, use that information to understand the needs of the population better by doing, for example, a risk stratification. We can identify the people who are high users of the services today. We can identify the people that are likely to be high users in the future. And we can start to put in place uh, new pathways, new interventions that basically help to um, provide a better service, a more convenient service, ideally a, you know, a, a lower cost service from the point of view of the payer um, uh, across the whole region. Another example would be taking it right down to the individual level. So you know, we've got the genomic revolution in full swing at the moment. We're seeing the cost of uh, whole genome sequencing falling and falling now. And we now have the possibility, uh, using genomic data in combination with clinical records, um, to target treatment much more uh, precisely. This is often called precision medicine. Mm -hmm. So we can use big data to manage populations better. We can use big data to provide a personalized uh, um, therapeutic regime, which is much more likely to work than, than just, a, let's say, a blockbuster mm -hmm. drug. Is the healthcare industry ready to realize the potential of big data? Has the technology caught up to be able to analyze all this information in order to put it into good use? The, the, the technology exists to do most things that we can conceive of uh, wanting to do today. Um, the problem is more to do with data governance and uh, the debate about who owns the data, what rights do we have to access it and use it for secondary purposes. Um, the legal uh, underpinnings of how we use, how we use data have not kept up with the technology. So we're now faced with a situation where we have a vast amount of data generated by the healthcare system, much of which we can't actually access and use um, for other purposes than the initial you know, reason for which it was collected. So this is a high concern to countries and to the European Commission, of course. And uh, you know, we have to think about how to have this debate with the public um, if, if you may have seen that we've had run into some big issues in the UK with our care.data database, which was intended to be a, you know, a collection of health and social care data to allow us to understand the population and provide better service. That's been put on hold because, again, there are concerns about privacy, there are concerns about confidentiality, there are concerns about whether it's actually ethically right to sell data to commercial companies for uses for which it was never originally intended. So I think, you know, the problems are not technological, they're legal and they're cultural and they're to do with trust, mm -hmm. the trust of the population. Mm -hmm. What are some of uh, the most innovative uh, products or applications of, mm -hmm. or use of digital uh, technology in health that mm -hmm. you have seen? Now, there's so much innovation happening that the problem is that many of the projects are very small and, and mm -hmm. never really get to any uh, big scale. But uh, if I can take a couple of examples... Um, we're working in South Denmark with, uh, with the region there on a project called Shared Care, and this is about providing a safe platform where uh, the patient can interact in new ways with the care team, where the care team can see the, the whole picture of, of the individual. Um, that's a very interesting project, and I think that will be, that will be tremendous once we, once we get up to full skill with that. Uh, another one is uh, the project we're working on that you may have heard of, which is Watson, the Watson Project. Mm -hmm. uh, what Watson is about is... Um, 
is using a new approach to computing, which is not programmed computing, but basically we call it cognitive computing. So the idea of applying very fast supercomputing resources to big, uh, big data problems. The way Watson works is it's, it, it does three things really well. It uh, uh, understands natural language and can accumulate knowledge um, in its databases. It can then generate evidence and hypotheses and evaluations and come up with most likely answers. And it learns. It gets better as it does more and more of this kind of work. So we've put Watson to work in several areas. Oncology is one. Uh, mm -hmm. It seems to fit very well. Uh, we're putting it in use into training, into recruiting for clinical trials. Um, and really, the sky's the limit for how we use this technology. Um, uh, it, 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 the doctors are now beginning to talk about the benefits of cognitive computing, and um, mm -hmm. we're very happy with uh, how this is mm -hmm. developing. Uh, it will be important for the future. Mm -hmm. Is the Watson technology also helping doctors in diagnosing in diagnosing a mm. medical condition? Uh, it, 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 it will be able to. I mean, mm. the, the, the point about the Watson technology is it really uh, it acts as a decision support tool for the doctor, whether it's diagnostics or mm. prognostics or therapeutics. Um, it really allows uh, the doctors to deal with the huge volume of data that's coming at them, whether it's from published uh, medical papers or whether it's uh, from the clinical data that's being generated. We need uh, machine assistance now to actually deal with this. We, it's cognitive overload for us. Um, we need uh, to use these technologies wisely to help doctors make better decisions. Mm -hmm. What are some of the European initiatives that you're involved with? Well, there, there's several. We, we, um, uh, we have been active members of EP, the EPSOS project for the last uh, three years. This is the um, European-funded project, to, which is just about to come to an end next month, uh, which basically took on the task of showing that we could uh, move health records and prescriptions across borders, and we have 23 countries involved in this project, so it works, and the technology is done. Uh, we're also now involved in the European Innovation Partnership on Active and Healthy Aging. This is a very interesting project because it's really about how regions share good ideas and good practice. So we now have uh, around about 30 regions of Europe collaborating in this, in this program in a, on a voluntary basis. And um, the idea is to scale up and scale out the things that work well in integrated care, particularly for the elderly, but this would apply across many different parts of the population. Mm -hmm. So when uh, you have similar projects mm. such as the EPSOS and mm. the, uh, the one you just mentioned, mm. when should we expect – these are pilot programs, obviously. They, we're researching and testing um, how the technology would work. But when should we expect this to be deployed mm -hmm. to the mainstream market so citizens can uh, enjoy the benefits of such uh, progress? Well, EPSOS is a large-scale pilot, and when it comes to an end, we need to find ways of, of extending it, maintaining it, and uh, the Commission is, is, is busy working on that um, issue at the moment. So um, it, 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 this is essential. If we're going to allow people to... Uh, get access to their health records wherever they travel. We need to put this in place. So it's a European yeah, prerogative or imperative, really, to, to do this. The Active and Healthy Aging Program, uh, partnership rather, is, uh, is not a pilot. It's really about taking real use cases, real examples of e-health, and making them bigger in the regions where they already have started to take hold, but also transferring those into other regions where they're perhaps a little bit further behind uh, and could benefit from having an accelerator. So uh, the partnership is really about real things that are used in clinical practice today 
which can be scaled up and uh, taken to other parts of mm -hmm. Europe. Do all European countries participate in these programs? No, no. There's mm -hmm. about 30 uh, regions at the moment. It's really a regional uh, thing. Mm -hmm. um, certainly there are quite a few um, parts of Spain who have uh, big investments in, in the program. We've got... Uh, um, the UK, France, uh, Germany, uh, Greece is mm -hmm. a member, of course. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not universal, but um, th th you know, this is to be expected. You know, Europe has around 270 regions. They can't all join these. It would be overwhelmingly popular. But the idea is to use what we've learned from this partnership and to make that uh, an offer to other regions to say this is how you do e-health, this is how you scale it, this is how you can be successful with e-health. Mm -hmm. It's a learning mechanism. Mm -hmm. How critical are forums such as the e-health forum and similar gathering, gatherings in driving this type of priorities mm -hmm. forward? Mm -hmm. Uh, I think the eHealth Forum uh, and, and its predecessor, the eHealth Week, um, these are essential meetings uh, to have because they bring together the, you know, the commission with the health ministers, with industry, with academia, and um, it's one of the few places I think where you can you know, basically convene this group of people. Um, and you can see the energy, you can feel the energy in the room when you go to the, the sessions. I mean, there's a tremendous amount of enthusiasm. It really feels that we are kind of beginning to reach a tipping point with e-health where it's no longer thought of as something futuristic, but actually there's more and more visibility of it. People can see it, touch it. You have the e-prescription service here in Greece, which I believe has been a big success. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, it, it's, it, we're at the point, I think, where e-health just becomes mainstream. The e needs to drop off the e-health. It mm -hmm. just becomes health. Mm -hmm. Any closing comments on the future of e-health? So, well, there's, there's so much to say, but uh, I think, you know, if we look back in 10 years' time, we will, we will marvel at how quickly we've developed from where we are today, where people um, perhaps feel they're not getting, uh, you know, the kind of the services that they would expect from the healthcare system, uh, how quickly that, that has changed. And um, I think there'll be much more use of mobile devices. There'll be certainly much more use of intelligent and expert systems. And I think we will have a very different... Uh, way in which we interact with, with our carers, with doctors, with uh, the healthcare system. Um, and it will, you know, the future looks bright is, is, is my, my closing remark. It's, uh, you know, I think we're in a very good place. Investments have been made over the last 20 years, and now we can start to capitalize on those and really change the system. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. John, thank you very much for your time. That was John Crawford, healthcare industry leader of Europe for IBM. Thank you for inviting me.